Uh, word to grandpops who couldn't fathom the Obamases. I don't hate America, just the man she keeps her promises. Twenty teens looking like the 60s, it's crazy. A nationwide deja vu, what my people supposed to do? Go to schools named after the Klan founder. Word around town is y'all don't see why we frowning. Native American students forced to learn about Winnow Para Sarah. How is that fair, bruh? Some heroes unsung and some monsters get monuments built for them. But ain't be all a little bit of monster. We crooked. Man, your heroes are worthless. And man can show try, but only God gives purpose. You crooked. Be humble. This is Propaganda's Testimony, a musician's story. We stay perplexed at the truth that defies logic, but who say that logic the best way to understand it? Men, that's the thinking of our colonizers. Truth is proven only through ears and eyes, and if you can't touch it, then you can't trust it. That's why they can't explain the love in my daughter's eyes, and that's that conscious rap. Oh, that's played out. You old school, you old dude, you aged out. It's not cool, them old rules, they phased out. There's new rules, them new dudes ain't like you. Uh, they say you hating when you don't toss them a retweet. I study for every test, and y'all is looking for a cheat sheet. Things I gotta tell you, love you too much. To be scared of your concoction of contradictions, misnomers and paradox, conclusion confusing like the way that I see me. An apex predator, ten steps ahead of you, desperately trying to hide my insecurities. Paper mache property, trying to hide the duct tape, defending my card castle like you could stand in one gust of wind. The lust of eyes shackle me just as I be tackling my inner demons, eating through my marriage and my parenting. What is arrogant and humble, eloquent, ridiculous, confident and nervous? Years before Christian hip-hop was even a term, before the internet and social media popularized the small subgenre, there was a 13-member Christian rap collective on the West Coast known as the Tunnel Rats. These artists, who were known for their battle rap bravado and lyricism, are considered pioneers in the game. It's been over 20 years since the collective was founded, but there is one member who continued to grow in popularity and respect. He transcended the rap world and is now a spoken word artist, political activist, and podcaster as well. I'm not delusional. This most likely is your first experience with me. Greetings, my name is Propaganda. I wrote my first rap in 93, simply put. Fire-baptized battle rapper who's heavily influenced by folk music and found creative freedom in poetry. Combo is strange, I know, but let this one bake your noodle. I'm the son of a black panther with a Mexican spouse and Caucasian best friends. And my writing tone now is not one that offers you a neat little bow to tie all your little problems up with. I learned enough to know that I don't know that much. I know God became a man to save us and we still can't explain pyramids. I know ancient Mayans and Egyptian astronomers had a far greater understanding of outer space than we do. I know academia is so drunk on arrogance and racism accomplishments to aliens than to admit that we are not the smartest civilization to ever live. I know I really love my wife, my daughter, and mangoes. And for some reason, folks find it illogical to think that a perfectly designed universe screams of a designer. I know sarcasm is really the only time people tell the truth. I know chilequiles and in and out will be served in heaven. I know it's a much better decision to shut your mouth when you don't know what you're talking about. I know color theory very well. I have a degree in illustration and intercultural studies and a teaching credential, yet I rap for a living. Let that sink in. 
apparently I don't know that much. I just know the gospel and good hip hop. I'm a pretty simple dude, all I got is my all. And I promise to give you that. You know lower standards will lower the culture. The Roman Empire was destroyed because of lower standards and moral decay. You know they fed each other to lions for entertainment, humans. When left to their own devices, seem to be hopelessly selfish and bent on their own destruction. It seems unless a power greater than us captures our hearts, nothing will change that trajectory. Wealth, knowledge, success seems to only feed the beast. But don't listen to me. We just met. Propaganda was born Jason Petty on May 27, 1979 in South Central L.A. His father, a Black Panther, split from his mother when Jason was in the eighth grade, but still was very involved in his life. Originally, he didn't grow up in a Christian household, but eventually... It became Christian when I was somewhere in elementary school, but as if was for show a gang of sin happening in my house. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So it wasn't, I can't say, you know, for all intents and purposes that this was a Christian home, but I can say we we knew Jesus was Lord. We found a church that that we were definitely a part of, but, you know, um, was that that sanctification process started much later than when we joined a church. I mean, you know, we black folks, so like going to church wasn't strange. You know what I'm saying? And uh yeah, we were there. We didn't, you know, really start seeing any real involvement, like I said, until years later when, you know, I guess it sort of clicked that for my parents at least that like, oh crap, like yeah, we're wait, we're actually Christian. Jason was in junior high when his sanctification process began. I didn't have the Oh, man, I was, you know, I was strung out on cocaine. I was selling, you know, 40 bags of weed every week. I was in nine gangs. I had a murder case. I all had that story, you know. It was slow for me, like, just over time that, and I can't really point at a particular day, but I know that, um, like I said, somewhere in middle school was kind of when it got real for me. 73rd in San Pedro, Uncle Sonny and Odell. Take your pick on what killed your bullets, cancer, or jail. Huh. What a life. Listen, I came out of town in gangs and a gang of grace Cause for shows and abounds and round these parts Crowns is made of tinfoil And them boys play Halo with real guns, lay low Right there I flang slang that twice born rhetoric I pappy pound the ground and out came all humanity Right heavy handed sharpie ink laced with mercury Magnetic raps to draw out all impurities uh, Round the time the good lord took mama winning The light bulb turned on, this world ain't my home I huddled up to triage with curb servers and griots As such an L.A. Reference, all good if you don't get it. But for those who would listen, I'll break you out your radio prison. Redefine manhood, blackness, and time. Shape and define culture. Let me fashion you some shades. Introduce you to a trend that transcends the will of men.
Jason graduated from Cal State Fullerton with a degree in education and social science. He received his teaching credential and master's in illustration and intercultural studies from Whittier College. I engage a page turner, burner stage the fragrance. Raises similar to native sages, sage and unlocking a cage of praises for rock of ages. Let random rambling rappers rant and rave and inflame verbs to your nerve endings. Literally feeling these words in my tendons and rattling occupants of the venue sinews. Why the eulogy be orchestrating continuous crescendos? Excellent been down since Exodus. Like what if the Egyptians and Israelites joined forces? That would force a forfeit. And it's hard to drive hard when your hard drive keeps me in a force quick. To learn to speak immigrants, the language of the broken, like the system in their English. I speak with heaven's accent, angelic dialect. Rapping my coast as if that spirit realm had oceans. Excellent, that's what you should expect from us. Least we can do to say thank you for how we blessed us. All else is blasphemy. Disagree, get at me. And he with low standards, don't get no mics on. The stages I stand on to battle where the stakes were the rights to keep the mic for a couple more bars. No YouTube channels for rap battles or cash prizes. Just keeping your cool when heat rises. Nicks, breaks, concussions, gashes, and bruises. It's real manhood with the monthly bills to prove it. Start with me, my art archery aims for the dark meat. Your albums are full of more bites than shark wheat. Excellent. My writing remains with such serious symbolism. Styles are plenty. Pages get the let out like Jimmy. Homie, I am not kidding. There's no play dates. Muscle up a hustle, a street name, the DBA. Excellent. As some knew him as Propaganda the Rapper, ninth graders knew him as Mr. Petty, the social studies teacher at a school for the arts. I thought I'd retire from there. Like, I had no plans on leaving. It was some of the funnest times. Well, the school was making some, like, sort of administrative changes at the same time that some more music opportunities were happening. Like, I, I was doing music the whole time. I just didn't have any delusions of grandeur, you know. It wasn't temporary for me, like, oh, man, I'm going to do this, do this teaching thing to the music thing cracks. It was just more like, I just love music, and we'll see what the Lord does. California's just funding for education was, like, tanking. Like, there was, they were talking about cutting the school year a week. There's tenure teachers getting fired. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. And I was getting a gang of opportunities to do music, and it just got to a place where I wasn't doing either of them as well. My time was so divided, so I wasn't doing either of them as well as I could have. So it was like, hey, man, you got to either plan A or plan B. You know, you can't. And every any time you take away from plan A to fulfill plan B, it's time away from plan A. So plan A is never going to crack because you ain't spending the amount of time on it. You know, so it's kind of like that reality. And then at the end of the day, being like, man, you went to school for art. <laughs> You're an artist, man. You know, and then. I just was like, uh, at the end of the school year, I was just like, man, I'm just going to shoot my shot because now there's opportunities, you know, and I was able to support myself. But it was like, I waited until it was absolutely necessary that I made a decision. By that time, man, I had put out, that time I had been on three albums. I had put out my solo album out of nowhere. And this was while we were still with, with Uprock. So at the time we had done nine albums. So we did. Tunnel Vision, you know, Underground Rise, the second Tunnel Rats album. We did the Foot Soldiers Project. I had toured with KRS-One. I was on the, uh, 
I was on the Warp Tour. We did the, we did a documentary about battle rap. Uh, we did the Battle for LA. Like there was there was a lot of things happening. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't as though I was being dorm I was being dormant or just like I just it was just like I enjoy this and I know like I don't have a million dollar record deal. So you still got to get up and go to work. And that was one of the beautiful things that you learned that we learned as Donald Rats was like, hey, like work is a gift. Just work, period. You know, and you got to learn how to enjoy working. Everyone's got the same 24 hours. No matter how you're spending it, you need to spend it, you know, and you spend it working, whether it's cleaning toilets, teaching a class or writing a rap. It's just work. You know, so I just, I kind of had that, and I was single, you know what I mean? So I could like, I could, you know, get off work at four and then go chill at the studio until 10, 11, and then get up the next day at six in the morning and do it again. Because, you know, when you're 22, you're invincible and you really don't need to sleep. Catch me hopping off Chamba North Corner with CNT or 20 minutes east to South Central, that's West Coast beat. Broken families and pasta, black rock and white pasta. Jimmy Kendrick's court, and about a mock and all your preconceived. Huh. The narrative fight great. The heritage makes a man stand with his spine straight. The ground that grew Kendrick, Anthony Kiedis, Incubus. Music that speaks to the Jim Morrison. Each of us shared the same nutrients. Set mind got laced with divine DNA, gon' face it. The child of a freedom fighter, trial like graffiti writers, wild like the freedom writers. We are all day walkers, hybrids, bilingual, bicultural. Flowing in a king's tongue, Elohim and human one. Rose at a stone with a mic and some chucks on. All things to all men, to all men say all men. Were you the product of a panther in my if you got into Christian hip-hop post-Tunnel Rats, then you may have noticed how close Propaganda and Lecrae are. They featured on each other's albums, music videos, and tour together. Some may wonder why he isn't a part of the Reach camp. Well, there is one friendship that precedes Propaganda's and Lecrae's. That's Odd Thomas, rapper and co-founder of Humble Beast Records. Hey, holla at him, Cray. You got it, bro. Yeah. Hey, look, my homie showed me back when I was playing my Nintendo to stay away from windows because bullets, they tend to hit those. My mama told me when I got the PS1 to skip the BS and lead us a BS numbers. Every other brother throwing up colors in my community. I knew better but couldn't do better. But then I grew to be the same dude. Reading Wayne grew them even though I grew up listening to Snoop and Ice Cube. Be amused at the music. We used that to bruise cats. He goes, nowadays you might find me under the steeple, preaching to the people, or making me a sequel to mixtapes, get shin scrapes, and skate parks. I'm everything in one, I'm the product of great art, I'm the product of fake cards, Tim Keller and Outcast. I cut on glass, the glass ceiling that they put above me. The reason that they hate me, the same reason they love me. Would you the product of a panther and mama's friends? He's like my best friend, you know, during that whole time. That was my, my man, 50 grand. And, uh, as sort of the tunnel rat thing started sort of slowing down and I was doing more solo stuff, he and I would, you know, we worked together on some content, got invited out to an event called the Legacy Conference, which at the time, I know it's kind of hard to imagine now, but like in California's hip hop scene, there was, it was hard. There was really no such thing as Christian rap, like hip hop was hip hop. So we had people like, you know, Tonal Rats, LA Symphony, even dudes like Abstract Rude, uh, P. 
people like Lightheaded, Procussions, just these guys, you know, Mr. J, throw these guys that we all knew were believers, you know, but there wasn't, but I had no, I didn't know anything of CCM. I didn't know anything of, we just didn't know anything because we just, it's just not a Bible Belt culture. So I didn't know anything that was happening anywhere else, right? So we got invited out to the Legacy Conference, which again, had no idea it existed, you know, and nor did I know this, you know, this 116 thing was happening everywhere else in the country because we were just plugged into hip hop. Like I didn't know anything about, you know, sort of the sub genre of Christian rap, you know what I mean? So we got there and we were just kind of like blown away. Like, wait, this is a full, who, you guys are stars. Now what I had heard of at the time was cross movement, which essentially was just because of their, um, their feelings towards Sonorats. So I had only knew of them. I never met them. I just knew those guys hated us. You know what I'm saying? At the time, that's all I knew. And then, and then these dudes were apparently they little brothers. You know what I'm saying? So at least that was my perception from California. So I, Thomas and I got there and when we got there, we were actually rather defensive thinking that essentially these dudes thought lowly of our faith, of our craft, of the way that we do ministry and our theology. We just thought these guys thought low of us. So we were kind of coming with still that California sort of pissy battle rap, like, well, let me show you what's up then. You know what I'm saying? Kind of attitude. And we didn't do sort of like turn up trap kind of, we were just real West coasters. So we just didn't do music like that. So we were just very, we were just, we were just defensive. <laughs> and, uh, and actually Lecrae was the one that sort of broke the ice. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to point at it. And he goes, I was told to not trust you and to not like you. That's what I was taught. And he goes, and I did my research. He goes first. And, and a lot of them were like, man, the first Christian rap album I ever heard was Tunnel Rats. They were like, you, you, y'all changed our life. We had no idea. Like, this was amazing. We, you know, we're like, dang, these fools are spitters and gangsters. Like, this is crazy, you know? And he goes, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't see the problem. I see, I see the gospel in your work. So that broke the ice. And that was at a Chipotle in Chicago. We've been like buddies ever since. Humble Beast was built so I could have a label. It became what it became as sort of God kind of grew the vision inside of Thomas. And then when him and Braille connected, it became what we all know as Humble Beast. But originally, this was me and Thomas at a coffee shop, kind of basically saying, we're not seeing in the marketplace what we're looking for. And Thomas, the visionary that he was, even back in 2008, could see the writing on the wall and could see that in five years time, you're not going to be able to sell a record. So he was like, we need to give away the music. So that was the original plan with Humble Beast. Originally, which is it's beautiful where we're at now. The original plan was we're going to be a nonprofit and we're going to give away our music. And in 2008, that was like, no one was doing that. So when we started it, it was, it was just me, him and theory has it really. And that was the plan. It was really like, Hey, if it becomes a label dope, but if not, 
this is really so we can put out the things that we know we need to put out and sort of this hybrid of people that authentically understand sort of hip hop and its bigger context and authentically understand the gospel reach at the time. You remember this is 2008. Number one, I didn't know them. And then number two, they had no interest in hip hop and in its broader sense. Right. So I, at the time, I found them, once I met them, I found them considerably closed-minded. And we just philosophically didn't agree. So I would have no desire to be on that label. Plus, sonically, we just make different music, you know? So, yeah, then it was like, it made zero sense. I thought, it's it's so crazy what God does, because at the time I was like, we'll never tour together. We'll never do a song together. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, these dudes are like their brothers in the faith. I believe in what they're doing. They're serving a part of the world that needs to be served. But nah, we are not the same. Because <laughs> you know? I mean, you gotta remember like I was a battle rapper, just a backpack B-boy battle rapper, you know, and at the time they thought battle rap was a sin. So I'm like, well, we're not, we don't see eye to eye, you know? So, and again, Obviously, it's not the same now. If you listened to our past episode featuring Jay Gibbons, then you heard him speak about his discipleship relationship with Prop. Within the CHH community, there is talk of disappointment about artists not being on the same team and the older generation not pouring into the younger. Prop and Jay's relationship is a great example of discipleship. Some say, learn from your mistakes, but it takes no genius to see jumping off the deep leads the bone breaks. Take a break to pump yours, that's life. Yeah, so Jay showed up at a merch table and gave me a mixtape, which I would not suggest to everyone that that's the way to go. It was like literally a Holy Spirit thing because when that usually happens, it just gets thrown into a bag and never to be seen again. Just a God thing like, hey, you should listen to this. Maybe check this guy out again. You know, and I went back and forth to Vegas a few times, listened to a story. Then once I listened to the album, you know, or the mixtape, I was like, actually, this kid can rap, you know? And that sparked more interest in, like, pursuing him a little more. And then I knew just at the time, you know, I'm touring, I'm getting more busy. You know, oftentimes you feel like there's some sort of, there's, like, these other rules for me as, a Christian that like discipleship and you know, things of that sort that all believers are called to somehow I get a pass because, Oh, well, you know, I'm a touring artist, So I get a pass. That's not true. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't get a pass. So I was like, I have to think about discipleship as it pertains to what I do. And just the Lord made it clear that like, yeah, this is your guy. So then I just called him and was like, Hey man, we might have to like take you a few times to, you know, out to different things I might be doing and check in on you here and there. And it turns out he was praying for something for himself, you know, that God would do that for him. 2014 was the last time Prop dropped a project, but he has made up for lost time with his latest release, Crooked. It's uh, threaded through the whole record, but it's the idea of like, I, or we, I am a crooked man. We are crooked individuals that have crooked relationships inside of a crooked system, you know, explaining crooked logic with crooked desires, all hoping and striving for the day that the crooked is made straight. Somehow in the middle of that, God uses us and gives us 
good dreams and moments of grace and love and joy and wonderful experiences despite sort of the crookedness in our heart and in the world that we live in. Ultimately, that's what I'm trying to point at, is that inside of all of us are these, is this fatal flaw. Despite that, sort of God is still good and we can, and we still have something to hope for later on. thought they would take us serious. They would listen if we ain't furious. So we painted our picket signs and we blessed the due process. And we learned the constitution and believed in the Bill of Rights and learned our country's history. Like you, we stood against that tyranny and survived the three-fifths compromise. Only the sharecropping in Jim Crow and in red line. And we figured it was high time. So we organized two by two because we desired service. We were nervous, but we decided to be treated like we were citizens and survive them fire hydrants and the wild dogs and crooked laws only to get smacked with that war on drugs and crack attack but we believed you made our hashtags and you mocked us but we broke our necks just to hold our chins up and if anti-gang rallies they lifted our consciousness up but it feel like this ain't real life and my american skin won't let me win and i'm so tired and I ain't trying to scare you, but I look to the sky like grandmama, I think I failed you. If you know Prop, then you know he doesn't shy away from controversial topics. So, why did he think including the track Darky? was important. You was just another darkie, boy. You just another darkie. Looking like some burnt toe. You just another darkie, boy. Never hit it so good. You just another darkie, boy. The importance of it is it's a part of sort of the ultimate narrative. That, and I feel like it's the perfect sort of visual, like, bedrock for the bigger point of sort of the marriage between when the system is crooked and flawed and how that relates to and is internalized by the individual, right? So um, even the term darky sings of a system, a, a, a definition of beauty, right? That is Eurocentric, that implies that lighter is beautiful. So even though we know that, even though you and I and, and anyone else knows that like you're talking about a definition of beauty that really only uh, centers one region of the planet. We've internalized it. Right. And um, when we know full well, we internalized it. We know full well that what we saying is ridiculous, but you can't help your aesthetics. Right. You can't help what you've seen as beautiful or not beautiful or can you. So the importance of the was like sort of the process of self being not just a black skin black man but a but a dark skinned black man and what it meant to sort of wrestle with finding sort of joy in what the father made me acceptance in it and seeing and being the reality of like where I may have internalized and we as black people have internalized sort of things that have been placed on us. And then, and, but then there's ultimately a bigger picture, which has to do with just Psalms 139 is we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And everybody's wrestle with their own sort of self-image and self-identity and identity, uh, where you all keep wishing they were shorter, shorter people wishing they saw it, you know, people with bone straight hair wishing it was curly, curly people, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, 
fair-skinned Aryan like white women still paying hundred dollars to tan their skin. You know what I'm saying? So it's like all of all of that comes with not sort of embracing the aesthetic that the father has given you and sort of learning how to see and define beauty in a deeper sense was like really awesomely the point. And then it was very important for me to have Jackie on that song because of the the female sort of experience. I remember they told me I would look better if I was lighter. Get wetted on the island with the dress to match my silence. Say your melanin be quiet. It's too loud to match the culture. The vultures of the media, Wikipedia wrote the posters. Who you melon to? Who you selling to? Is your cerebellum belling you out? Or is you gel by the mouth that told you fell into? Not be yourself. I know I believed it. I know I repeated what was me sleeping. Killing my dreams. Maybe if I was thicker, my skin wouldn't make a scene. Such a protection. And this activist for a massive king They treat her like the villain Yet they the one with massive schemes Living like immigrants Yet they the one with massive things Who's the slave? Who's the one to blame for the nappiness? The average is Love over hate Is the fraction with the happiest Mathematicians adding the blackness African applicants The night embedded I don't regret it The blackest skin I remember my own sister What Lauren Hill meant to her If anything You know what I'm saying? Just to see you know, uh, uh, a sister with knotty hair that we were all like, she cold as ice, you know what I mean? And like, and what that must have meant for her to finally, it's the same thing that like Tyrese and Tay Diggs meant to me, you know what I'm saying? Where I'm like, yes, one for the darkies, you know? Uh, but just what it meant to her, you know what I'm saying? And like how that sort of changed her confidence. Even when we went, even as we moved, just as a family, just location. Like when we switched schools and we went to a school, when she started high school, she was at a high school at first, her freshman year was like almost, almost 90% Latino. Right. So she struggled with things. And then her 10th grade year, we went to another school that was like 90% black. All of a sudden, all of a sudden she prom came with queen beautiful. You know what I'm saying? And what that meant just by context, you know what I'm saying? So like that narrative to me was like, it's just an important, part of the story uh that and specifically not only again just for black women but for women period that i'm like i bet i can't even begun begin to imagine like this the psychological sort of rigmarole that my sisters go through you feel me jackie has a line on that where she was like maybe if i was thicker my skin wouldn't make a scene i was like oh oh crap right yeah, I was like, there it is. This is where my sociology antennas come in, right? So now I'm going, now you're exotic. Now you're quote unquote uh, Amazon or like it's fetished now. Because if you see a dark skinned woman, you think African princess. And if I think African, she needs to be thick as hell. You understand what I'm saying? So it's fetished. There's that, you know what I'm saying, where Jackie's like, well, look, I'm not that story. And we are not those without hope or hoping and hope alone. Resurrection shows that this land is not our home. We are sojourners living out what a past action bought us with the knowledge that we have yet to see the fullness of what it got us. All the creation groaning, labor aches and pains like the crushing of a planet's moon could make Saturn's rings. Huh. 
My crooked soul covered in blood stains Blessedness of perspective The ironic gift of cancer If I could bottle the feeling Where every morning's a blessing Cause every breath could be a last one Man, that's the answer Be patient with one another Be gracious cause our time is short Remember you two were once in darkness For we brought forth Christ the hope of glory Sealed our eternity Purchased permanently By only him worthy But my mouth has yet to catch up With what my heart knows And my heart is still light years behind my library it's scary There's no plaques on my wall Except the influence I had on those with plaques on their wall It could leave a man salty like When a finna be my turn And a lower me is leaning towards an attitude beneath me And I am just like them A systemic participant Longing for escape and hoping in salvation Yeah, hoping in salvation Waiting for the day he make the crooked way straight After listeners have listened to the entire project what does he want them to walk away feeling? Really want them to walk away with like hope, you know, hope in a sense of hope that's rooted in not a fairy tale. I would hope that they felt like they've been dragged in the same way that like people of color were dragged through 2016. Like we felt dragged, you know what I'm saying? And I want them to, yes, and I want them to feel that drag, right? Feel that pain, feel that angst, feel that uh disillusionment that cynicism feel it all right and feel the process as a believer what it looks like to come out of the other end of that not in denial not like in any sort of delusion but just like an understanding that i said it on the praise album like it was a crooked system that put jesus on the cross you know what i'm saying so you can't tell me you can't tell me the lord is not even sovereign over that you feel me and that there is hope that lies beyond speaking truth to power. So the ultimate goal is that you would see that, you know, this isn't the end of the story, that um, God is still God and God is still doing wonderful things. And now maybe you can be, ultimately, you could be a little more gracious to your neighbor. Thank you for listening to Testimony, a musician story. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.